All right, well, we have our, our next question. We're going to do one more question for you on this video today. Um, and I mentioned earlier, this comes from a nine-year-old girl in our church named Nicole. Uh, Nicole, thank you for putting this question in. I know you had another question as well, and we'll, we'll be getting to that uh, in future topics. But this question that Nicole asks says, when will God do his perfect plan in my life? Um, again, awesome question. We are so thankful that you ask questions because it gives us the opportunity to to wrestle with that and to talk through that and, uh, and to encourage you. And I hope you find some encouragement as, uh, as we try to answer this question from the scriptures. Now, Nicole didn't give us a, a passage of scripture, but I, I think that one of the passages of scripture that really stands out as we talk about God's perfect plan in my life uh, is, is a passage of scripture from Jeremiah chapter 29 in verse 11. Uh, it's a highly used passage of scripture. I'm going to have Alistair actually, if you could read that. And then we'll uh, we'll start talking about that. It's kind of we'll kind of launch use it as a launching pad or a springboard to go into more conversation or discussion. Sounds good. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration: plans for your well being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope." Sweet. So as we spring into the conversation, I just want to encourage you, Nicole. God does have a perfect plan for your life, and uh, and we're gonna we're gonna broach that today. We're gonna talk about that. Hopefully, encourage you with that answer. But um, let's let's talk about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Some thoughts on on that. Jeff, do you want to share something there? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I think from that from verse eleven, he says, "For I know." Right? It's not a it's not a a question. It's a it's a statement. I know. So we can take confidence that God knows. Right? He says, "For I know the thoughts that I have that I think towards you," says the Lord. Thoughts of peace not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So, you know, just off, off the top, you know, God's concern is for your future and for, your, for you to have hope. Um, I think one of the things that um, comes to my mind as I think about this question, and by the way, it's, it's super encouraging, again, to hear a nine-year-old like yourself to be asking yourself these questions, um, to really be seeking God, um, there are a lot of adults who don't even think along the same line. Um, in your at your age, um, it's so important that we that we are concerned about where we're going in our lives. One one thing I would like to say is that if you have asked Jesus into your heart, you've confessed your sins to Him and received Him as your personal Savior, you are currently in His plan. You are not outside of it now. You are currently living in His plan. Whatever He has planned for you is currently in motion. Um, now that's that's a life a life a lifelong uh, road, right? We are. Um, I had the verse written down. Um, oh, oh, it's, it's uh, Philippians one six. It says, "For I am confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus." Um, you know, as we go through life, we mature. And God, God tests us, especially when we're young in our faith, right? God starts to to. Um, put us through tests and trials. And some of these things are rough. Sometimes they're easy. Sometimes they, they can be fun and sometimes they can be painful. But God is, is working a work in us throughout our lives. And that's not gonna stop. Um, we can in our own lives, you know, we can walk away or we can put our own wants and desires ahead of God's um, and lose sight of or forget that God does have a purpose and a plan in our in our lives. You know, 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You know, it's a promise that if we put aside what we know and put our trust in Jesus Christ um, and live our lives to glorify him, he will make our path straight. And that's encouraging as a believer. You know, we don't have to understand the whole picture. And I don't think we can. Uh, we're so in our, what, finite, is that the word? Mm-hmm. As, as, as human beings. You know, one illustration that, that I heard that I thought was really kind of a neat way to look at it is that each one of us is kind of this imperfect little piece in a mosaic. And from our perspective, we're in the mosaic. So we're up close. We can't see the big picture. But from God's view, he's standing back looking at this mosaic and sees the whole beautiful picture, the whole plan as a whole. And I think you and Nicole are, are, are part of this mosaic, you know, as our little sister and as our, you know, um, part of our family as a body of believers. We are all part of that mosaic. And uh, God sees it. Um, so and, anyway. I and a mosaic, that's a good, good analogy. A mosaic, though, is... It's a bunch of broken pieces. Broken pieces. Yeah. Right? So so we have to understand that we, we are broken pieces that God picks up and makes something beautiful out of in, in, in his redemption. And that's his plan for us. You know, the, the danger in a verse like this passage that uh, it, it's typically overused and it's it's incorrectly used. Uh, when when people want to, to say, hey, I, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be prosperous. I'm going to have great health all the time. I'm gonna, everything's going to work out just the way I want it to. And they reference Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. They're they're taking a passage of scripture out of context, and and it's really important for us to to encourage Nicole, encourage you, encourage the rest of the people, encourage each other to really check check the context of what scripture is saying and what what it's it's supposed to be uh, giving us. You know, in Jeremiah, uh, much like the book of Habakkuk that we're studying uh, on Sunday mornings, you know, and, and it's it's a it's a prophecy about the coming judgment uh, from God on. On Israel, or, or, or on on the nations around Israel, and but what it, what it's saying though is also that that God in the middle of that still is remembering His mercy and is still extending hope and grace as the Redeemer, as the as the Rescuer of His people. That if we would would be people who live by faith and walk by faith, that that's what God's plan is for our life to be to walk by faith and to live obediently to Him, humbly. Uh, before him and and serve him with our lives offer offer ourselves to him most of the time it, it, the offering is we think god should offer us something well, which he does right he extends himself to us as a, as a savior but we think that well god should organize my life just just right just the way i want it to be organized when really our life i, I mentioned this verse i think yesterday uh, i can't remember the, the reference it's in corinthians that, that don't you know that you were bought at a price right your your body is not your own you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. Um, our lives are not our own. That's, that's the reality of, of God's plan. When God has redeemed us through what Christ has done on the cross, and as we have expressed faith in Him, we are no longer our own. We were bought at a price, and that price is, was paid by Jesus. And now our response, God's perfect plan, is that we would lay our lives down for Him, that we would surrender it to Him. Some other thoughts, Dave? Um. Yeah, I think, again, this question, not necessarily for the nine-year-old who's asking a great question, but certainly, especially for us older and in the West, I think we're expecting ease, comfort, and lack of challenge or difficulty, which, you know, scripturally, you think about the early church that were 
struggling, the early church that were martyred, um, um, the challenge that goes along with this. And, and one verse that goes along with that I think is really excellent is Romans 8, 28. Mm-hmm. And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. Mm-hmm. That's God's perfect will. God's desire is, and, and it's hard for us to come to the conclusion that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and call according to his purpose. That means in hard things. That means in challenges. That means in all these things, God will bring good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? To conform us into the likeness of his son. God doesn't matter very much, I think, whether things are hard or easy. His desire is for us to become more like Christ. And unfortunately, um, as a, the oldest guy in this group, um, I fully recognize that it is the hard times and the challenging times that challenge us to seek God the most. And God uses, present day, God's using the coronavirus, COVID-19 thing, to call people to himself. How are we going to respond? What are we going to do? With the goal, again, can we believe as believers that in all things, even for our nine-year-old, in all things, God works for the good who love him and who have been called according to his purpose, again, with the desire of us to be conformed to look like Christ. I mean, that's, I think God doesn't care what the event is. If it's draw, I think he cares. But I think if it's drawing us closer to Christ and making us look more like him, that's the goal. I think, and that can be painful. Yeah, it can yeah. be I think when, a lot of times when that question is asked, and I don't, I don't know if that's where Nicole is going with this question, but uh, a lot of times when this question is asked, what it's similar to saying, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will, right? Um, though there is that big question, what is my purpose? And, and we've kind of answered that a bit here. And I think the danger in it is, is that Christians can sometimes sit back and do nothing because they're waiting for... Uh, this voice from heaven saying, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be whatever. Move here, move there, marry this person, marry that person. Letter in the mail. Yeah. Um, right, yeah. And I think we, we do that sometimes. And what we're doing when we're sitting and waiting for that is we're neglecting what God has already told us to do in his word. He, God has told us what his plan for our lives is. And first of all, it is salvation. It is that, that we would repent and put our trust in Christ as our Savior. And, and, and so Jeff's verse that he mentioned in Philippians, I think goes right with Nicole's question. And she said, when will God do his perfect plan in my life? And even that question indicates that God is doing, right? And that passage that Jeff read in Philippians 1 and verse <laughs> 6 uh, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God saved you. God is working in your life. And he has given us instruction in his word how, of what he wants us to do. In, in 1 Thessalonians 4. Um, Brian, you on? Can I, yeah, can I interrupt for just a, just yeah. a second before you jump to the next verse? Because I was just asking, actually asking Jeff if, if he could read the, that verse again. Because oh. I think it's really, um, it says he is completing good work in you until the day of Christ Jesus, right? It's not a stagnant thing. It's not, oh, here's your will. Boom. It's it's over your whole life. Yes. You know, it, it's that whole process of, of, you know, point A when you accept Jesus 
to the day of Christ's return, right? Or the day that you go home to heaven. Um, you know, it's that whole, it's, it's not just a, a five minute, like, oh, he told me that I'm supposed to marry my wife, you know, or, or whatever it is, or I'm supposed to take this job. It's, it's, it's a work that is being completed throughout our whole life. Right. And so, um, so it's, just, it's not the 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. Exactly. Well, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Right. I just don't want to be the 0.5 kid. I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> and is it, is it this way or this way? <laughs> Wait, what was your, your passage there? Uh, so that's First Thessalonians four, um, and I was going to do verse three, but, I was, but I'll put two in there also. Um, Paul says here, "For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification." Okay, and then he goes on to talk about you know sexual immorality and those kinds of things. But if we want to know God's purpose for life, it is our sanctification. And Jesus talked about that when he prayed to the Father and asked him to sanctify us in the truth. Hey, and that is the word of God. Yeah. Tell us what sanctification means. Well, sanctification uh, basically is that um, God, that we are set apart. You know, like Brandon talked about earlier, that we are a people for his own possession. So that we are sanctified when we, when we become a Christian, we're sanctified and set apart positionally. We are in Christ. And that's a, a once and done. Um, that's, Sure, but then there's this ongoing, what is referred to as progressive sanctification, where, like Jeff mentioned, these, these trials, the things that God brings into our lives. In, in Hebrews, it talks about the fact that he's treating us as sons or daughters, right? And as he is uh, disciplining us, not punishment discipline, but training. And he's doing that through trials, through hardships. But that is all part of that process of setting us apart to be made into the image of Christ, uh, as you read earlier. And so, ultimately, that's what sanctification is, is, is being set apart. We are set apart for God, for his purposes, and we are always going to look different than the world. That is, by definition, we are going to look different than the world. It totally sets us apart. Um, but, but that's what sanctification is, in a, sort of in a nutshell. Um, and God is doing that. That is the work that God is doing in our lives. And it is, like Ryan said, it's ongoing. It is throughout our Christian lives. Um, but that is very specifically says in that Thessalonian passage that that is the will of God, our sanctification. So we know he's doing that and it is an ongoing thing. And, and he, will, he will bring it to completion. Through whatever means, in your life it's going to look a little different than in my life. Uh, in, in Nicole's life that will look different. Uh, but God is doing that work and we can rest in that. That that is God's will and he's doing it. I don't, I don't have to sanctify myself. I mean, we do set ourselves apart in the sense that we're obeying Scripture and those kinds of things, but when you're in Christ, God is doing that work in you, yeah. and he will bring it to completion. You're not going to... He's not going to fail. Okay? Yeah, it, it's a promise. So what you're saying, Lloyd, is God is more concerned of being there and perfecting his will in our life than we are. I mean, he's there to do it, he, and he's going to do it because he promised to. He's going to we do don't it. have to worry about whether he's going to do his perfect will. We just need to be obedient yeah. right. and open. And, and to sort of answer the question in a quick way, don't think, of, don't think of life as if we're sitting here waiting for a writing in the sky about what I'm supposed to do. Okay, For Nicole, right? The scripture tells you as a child to honor your parents. Okay. The scripture tells us to husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, wives to respect their husbands. 
we should be putting away anger and malice and deceit and slander. Um, you know, we should be patient with one another. We should be forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. You can go all throughout Scripture and see God's commands for our lives. That is God's will. And if we're sitting around waiting for him to uh, give us our perfect plan, which a lot of times, like I said, I'm not saying Nicole means this, but a lot of people mean this, that I, there's something better in my life. I, I should be making more money. I should be healthy. Uh, I should have, have things, whatever it may be. And that is not what the scripture says. If anything, we can see in scripture that it is God's will that we suffer as Christ suffered. I think that's often what we, we get mixed up, right? We get mixed up and we think of the word perfect, right? We think good. Yes. We think, you know, my life is going to be perfect by what standard, right? By the world's standard. By my standards. By my standards. Right. What do I think, you know, I, I don't want to... I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to feel anguish. You know, Matthew uh, 16, 24, it's, it's taking up your cross, right? It's, um, it's, well, I'll read it. It says, then Jesus told the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will a man profit if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You know, it's talking about taking up your cross. You know, that is not a fun, you know, fun for Ryan thing. Is is not throwing a cross on my back. It is is literally, you know, the the picture of suffering mm-hmm. um, and being ready to die and, and being ready to die and being ready to, you know, it's and, and then it says denying myself and then it, you know it says gain the whole world but lose your soul. Right. So if we if if Everything that, like you were saying, you know, I, I make more money and I have more things and I have, you know, whatever, a model for a life, and, which I do, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if, uh, you know, if, the, if, those are our, if those are our focuses and our goals, it's like we did lose our soul. And that's what he's warning against, I think, you know, when he's, when he's saying that. And we, we confuse, we mix up the, the perfect with what God's perfect is. Yeah. And to piggyback off that, I think James nails it really well in the beginning of his letter. He says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, pers- or produces endurance. And let your endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Just this idea of consider it great joy, consider it pure joy whenever you face Trials. It's completely backwards as right. to what our flesh would say or what the world would say. Um, but what, what's the result of that? It, it is testing our faith and producing this endurance within us that is conforming us into the image of the Son so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What would God want from us? To be mature and complete in our faith, not lacking anything. Um, cool. So the Jeremiah passage, mm-hmm. I mean, someone would say, I, I, I should be prosperous. I, I shouldn't lack anything, mm-hmm. right? I should have money or health or whatever it might be. And really what scripture is saying is that hope in the future that Christ gives us is to be mature and complete in him. And that is what it means to not lack yep. anything, right? That's the promise yep. of that. So, so I mean, as we answer that question, um, there's, there's one aspect that says you're, you're experiencing God's perfect will right now as he has given himself as, as a sacrifice for your sins. 
and established a, a covenant in his blood that we can be forgiven and made righteous in Christ and, and experience a hope because of that, that forgiveness offered in Christ Jesus. That, that's, that's happening now. But then there's that ongoing, you said earlier, uh, the, this progressive sanctification. Now we're, we're continually being matured and making, made more complete in our faith as we are conformed to the image of Christ. I think there is a willingness there, though, too. We talk about God is sanctifying us. There is a, a tension that will rise in our heart. And it kind of goes back to the idea of comfort. And I, I mentioned this, I think, yesterday. The idea of comfort versus comfortable. Um, when we think about God, God is not there to make us comfortable. God has provided himself as our comfort. That in him we have ultimate comfort. And that there is a hope for a future with him where we will be comfortable. But for right now, he's promised suffering. He's promised trials and tribulation. He's promised hardship. He's promised that it will not be comfortable. But he has also promised that in the midst of that uncomfortable time, I will give you comfort. I will comfort you and my hope will comfort you. So the tension we have at times when we feel uncomfortable is this, this can't be right. right? And, and what God is saying, no, I, I'm still good. I'm still right. I'm still sufficient for you. My hope is enough for you. But then it takes us changing our attitude and really laying ourselves down, right? So what, Dave, if you would read that Romans passage, if you wouldn't mind, the, there's a passage in Romans that talks about God's perfect and, and good and pleasing will. And it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think, Dave, you had that earlier. I think this is, this is kind of the answer to this. It's not so much on God to provide for you a perfect plan. He's already done that through Christ and I hope. But now he's asked you to be conformed into the image of the Son. And how do we do that? I think this passage sums that up pretty well. It's Romans um, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's about laying ourselves down. It's about saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's, that's my spiritual act of worship and, and, and putting myself on that altar of, of uncomfortableness. Of, it's kind of just leaning, leaning I, I mentioned this phrase, maybe it's a catchphrase or whatever, leaning into it, right? We lean into it. Like, I'm just going to lean into this time in, in, this, uh, in this world or in this uh, moment that I, I really want to just let God, let God do, his, do his work in my life, whatever circumstance it is. It, it's, sometimes we say, even just with body language or with an attitude that, well, it's, it's not comfortable right now, so God must not be up to something. And, and really, what we know all the time is God is always up to something uh, in our lives for for our benefit, but ultimately for His glory and, and the bigger, larger part of redemption. Going back to that mosaic, um, our lives often, some, some of our lives are more broken than others. Some of those pieces are bigger broken pieces. Some of us have a lot more baggage, but ultimately God is in the process of redemption and re restoration and restoring. And, and the big picture of that redemption, we won't see until we're with Him, but we see glimpses of that now. And, and the attitude of our heart should be, I'm, I'm going to let him take my broken pieces and use them any way he can for his glory and, and, and for my benefit uh, for the first yeah. kingdom. I think it's important for us as believers too to know that um, like I was saying earlier, we don't have to wait for God to uh, I can't open the scripture and find out Hoyt has to do this, go here, go there uh, or, or whatever. I 
it's okay for us as Christians to make decisions. It's okay for us to decide, you know what, I, I really uh, desire to be in this profession or that profession. Great, do it. There's, there's no restriction unless it's a sinful profession. Uh, but, but we can make those decisions. The point is, how do we do that? How are we living in that? You know, if I'm going to medical school, am I, uh, am I living as a Christian while I'm doing that? Am I honoring my parents? Am I loving my neighbor? Am I forgiving people? Am I getting rid of anger and malice and all these things, slander? Uh, that's the point, is that we live as Christians in whatever decision we make about where to go. We're free to make decisions about life, about career, uh, marriage. There's boundaries. We talked about boundaries earlier. God has given us boundaries as believers for marriage. We shouldn't be marrying an unbeliever. There's a boundary there, and it's for our good. Um, but, but God has already given us the instruction, and the only way we know it is by reading his word. Yeah. And that, that's where this battle is always going to be. You know, Ryan talked about that in the passage that said about denying ourselves. That's the barrier to doing what God wants. Is, is that I'm not willing to deny myself sometimes. I want what I want, and therefore I'm not going to do what God has said in his word that I'm going to do. Um, and that's always contrary to what God wants when, I, when I'm not going to deny myself. Um, so I, it is important for us as believers to remember that we can. it's okay to make decisions. I, we pray about it. We, we do ask God for wisdom. But I don't wait 30 years for some audible answer, just do it. Pray about it. Move forward. If that's not where you're supposed to go, God won't allow it. Or it, maybe it is where you're supposed to go for a little while, right. but it was a stepping stone to something else. We don't know. But do it while living as a Christian. I think just sharing personally on this, when I was in high school and graduating, I applied to all these different colleges and then for me, I didn't know what I wanted to do, honestly. Um, I did well in school, and I wanted to pursue something in, in engineering. Genius. Um, thanks, Dave. <laughs> but I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Something sounded cool, so I, I picked a college. And at that point, I was wrestling with, like, is this what God wants me to do? Um, and I was like, what, you know, what is God's will for this you know, stepping stone in my life? Um, and through this whole process, I learned picking a college, I could have picked any college and God would have still worked through and led me to where I was. I started off going to Cal Poly um, with an aerospace engineering major. Within a year, I switched to a math degree because I thought I might want to be a high school math teacher. A year after that, I was planning to drop out of college and I came back here. A summer after that, I was enrolled at Simpson in Reading working on getting a youthman degree. I graduated with a youthman degree, and now Chase is the youth guy here at the church. So it's like, God, what were you doing this whole time, you know? And I think we get so concerned with trying to make the right decision, and we think we're going to be out of God's will if we choose the wrong thing. But if anything, I've learned, I mean, even going, we went to Sacramento for two years for Remy to uh, get her nursing degree. I worked five different jobs in the midst of those two years, starting at Home Depot, then being a salesman for my uncle making cold calls, the worst thing ever. I worked at a children's home, and then I started working at a fitness center and became like management there. And it was like bouncing all over the place, right? Um, but in the midst of all that, God was working in all of that, conforming me into the image of his son, 
making clear things in my life that were important and that I should um, prioritize. That whole time I was involved in the church down there, pursuing youth ministry and growing in just my own giftings in that. Um, and now, and now I'm here at this church, you know. Um, and so I think, going to what Hoyt was saying, we can make decisions, and God is still going to guide our path in the end. Um, and so. I know as a, as a young girl, that can be the, the thing. Like, I want, I want to know what my life's going to look like. And I think all of us can agree that we've wrestled with that. I want to know because we want to be able to control what's going on in our lives. But I think it comes back to that um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. God will get you to where he wants to get you. And in the midst of all that, it's going to be what James says in and going through all these trials that God is refining you and shaping you, sanctifying you into being more in the image of his son. Let me, let me add a, a scripture to what you were just saying and, and to this whole conversation. In Proverbs 16, 9, I think speaks to this. Uh, in, in terms of that conversation about it's okay to, do, to make plans and to do things. Um, Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So you go off and you're doing your things in Sacramento and, and you have plans. God's going to establish your steps. Exactly how he does that, I don't know. Usually we don't see that until after the fact and we can look back. You could probably look back now and see some of the things God was doing. Yeah. Um, and it was okay for you to make plans and do things. And he'll get you where he wants you to be. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I just want to emphasize that it's okay to make plans. It's okay to do things. Well, I mean very much you know my my most more recent personal stories are looking back I see God taking care of me right in, yeah. in Matthew 6 it talks about in, in uh, 26 27 that area it talks about don't worry about what you'll eat or drink mm -hmm. God will care for you he cares more for you than the bird I mean take care of the birds of the field and and he takes care of, he cares for you more than the birds of the field or or don't worry about what you what you'll wear because you know, Solomon didn't look as pretty as all the flowers that God provides and stuff like that. And I, I look back and I go, God's provision in my life and, and taking care of me, even though I didn't know what the path was, I can look back and go, oh, that's amazing. We were building a house, just my wife and I, three years ago now, about three and a half years ago now. And we submitted plans and, and the week after we submitted plans, we're like, this house is way too big for our family. Like, my oldest daughter is, is now in college, right? She's going to be potentially going, you know, after two years at COS, she might be going somewhere else. And then it'll be just, you know, just the three of us. And, and throughout this process, right, we find out we're pregnant with Mila. Oh, surprise. We're like, okay, well, we just moved this kid here and this kid here. And it all works again. You know, we, our house is big enough. And then, and then um, you know, uh, Kieran and Caden come, are coming to live with us. And it's like, oh, well, if we go here and, and here and... It's like, well, we had this plan for this room above the garage, but that was like a five or ten year plan. I guess that's a t tomorrow plan, right? <laughs> We're doing that tomorrow we, 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 so that we have space to fit all these things. And then, you know, we get done with this whole project and all of these life, you know, this life-changing stuff in our life. And we go, when we submitted plans a year ago or two years ago, God goes, I know exactly why your house is that yeah. big, right. you know. And I know exactly how I'm going to get you from point A to point B to point C and, and when you get in your house, your house is going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect for the size of your family, for your needs, 
for taking care of you? Is it tight sometimes? Yes. Is you know, my office is now a small room instead of the really nice room, and that's a kid's bedroom. But but God knew going into this, like Ryan, I, I already have your life figured out. You just need to be seeking me, living in my will, you know, seeking my will, and, and I'll take care of you. I've already placed your steps. Yeah. You just yeah, need to stay right. in my will to that's to right. line up. You need to not go. <laughs> you know, yeah. Dave, Dave has something too here to share on that. No, I was just saying. I one of my favorite stories about God's will is the, is when Abraham is wandering with Lot, and there's a bit, a bit of a conflict going on between Lot and Abraham. And Abraham, who's older and has the right to make the choice, basically goes to Lot and says, "Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers." Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Abraham didn't matter. Because mm-hmm. the point is, he knew God went before him. But what, so, did, what did he call? God called Abraham. He said, he said, get up and go where? To the land that I'm going to show you. Correct. He didn't, he Goes, didn't give him a map. Exactly. So he, was, he had trust. So he'd been obedient. And even in this situation, he gave Lot the option to choose. Yep. And which way did Lot choose? Lot chose the green watered fields, which led to some problems. But again, but Abraham's faith was such that he didn't care which direction he went. Yeah. Because God was yeah. for him. And I think that's true with God's perfect will for our life. If we're being obedient and we're seeking God, we will be in his perfect will. And the, the answers to these questions are always in the scripture. It, the scripture makes us complete uh, through the study of it and the learning of it as we grow in our knowledge of God and does do the scriptures tell us every aspect of how God is going to work in our plan you didn't you can't look in the scripture and find all those things that were going to happen <laughs> but you can look in the scripture and see that that like that Proverbs passage that God will uh, direct your steps and you can look at read tons of passages in the scripture that inform you that God is working and God will do what is good. Um, and so then we, when we see it happening, we should be praising God and, and looking at that and just, it should in, uh, increase our faith and trust in God uh, and, and in his word as we look and see how God is guiding and leading all the time. It should cause us to even more so want to deny ourselves and my own striving and, and trying to get everything to go a certain way and, and, and just rest in our Savior. Yeah. I want to read one last passage. I think we've pretty much answered that question, but this is out of Psalm 37. And usually I'll read Psalm 37 4, but I want to read 1 through 4 um, just to set up the, the scenario here, the situation. It says, Do not be agitated by evildoers, and do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. That's the scenario. That's our circumstances around us. We could be agitated by that, and, and sometimes rightly so. But it goes on. It says, Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. And, and really, as, as I look at that passage, and, and I, I study this more in depth, you know, the scripture is pretty, pretty clear on the will of God. And if we, if we would go and study what is the will of God, and Nicole, I'd encourage you to, to do a word study on that and to, to find the will of God. But when we, are, when we, have, we have been have entered into a, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that's the will of God. That's his plan for us. When we are being submissive to, um, to the authorities he places in our life and to him and to his word and to the spirit, when we're being thankful, even when we're suffering in the midst of that, as we yield our heart in faith 
to God in these circumstances, in these tough times, um, he is going to increase his desires in my heart for things that he wants me to desire. So when, when it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, it's not meant to be, oh, yay, I'll get whatever I want. That's the the yay part is, I've delighted in the Lord and, and the Lord's desires are now my desires. They're now my desires. So, so when we talk about what college to go to or what career to have or even what person to date, you know, granted they're scripturally able to be dated or, or uh, married, when you look at that, the, the answer is, what do you want? And, and, and really, going backwards, who's controlling those wants? Who's controlling those desires? And, and then we just live out that perfect plan by yielding our heart to Him and submitting to Him and surrendering to His Word. Uh, and it is a, a progressive thing. It's a, it's a lifelong thing. So I think there's kind of two, two answers we've said here. One is that the perfect will for God's life is for you to, to trust Christ in faith and, and believe the gospel and be saved. That, that through what Christ has accomplished on the cross, you and I can have hope through the, blood of, through the blood of Christ, through what he's done for us. And then he's going to work out his plan all through our lives as we humbly just submit and surrender ourselves, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to him, and live and walk by faith yeah. in him. Yeah. So, Nicole, thank you so much uh, yeah. for your question. Uh, amazing question. A great discussion here. Hopefully that helps. Jeff, do you have something else? Yeah, if you guys suffer with me, just one. Okay, we'll suffer. <laughs> I think one aspect that we really didn't touch on is maybe making the wrong decision. So, though we've talked about following God and following his plan, let's not forget that sometimes there are poor decisions that we can make. Mm -hmm. But like we've talked about before this morning, God is all about restoration. And in my own personal life, this question in particular resonates with me. Because my mom used to tell me as I was, as I was growing up, because I pretty much was a Christian most of my life, God's going to do something great in your life someday. And I always kept waiting and mm -hmm. waiting and waiting. And a buddy of mine finally said, hey, look, you don't need a stage or a microphone to serve God. You can do His will right now in your life with the things that He's given you. We've all been given gifts. Now, along the way, I didn't always make the right choices. But now that I'm older, looking back, and I've taken the time to repent and come back to God, I've seen where God has taken those poor decisions and turned them around to actually benefit me. And in some ways, refine me, like Scripture says, by fire, to, to draw out that, that bad in me. Um, you know, God has given us all gifts. God has given you gifts, Nicole. Look and see what they are. You know, what is it that you're passionate about? What drives you? And those are the things that you can take and serve God with and pursue Him through those things. And don't be afraid of, of, of making a, a, a mistake. I mean, we're all going to make them. But the important part is the whole submission the submissive part, right? Being submissive to God and what He wants. And if we make a mistake, know that God is not going to condemn you, right? There is no condemnation for us. There's always restoration. God wants you back. So whether you've made a mistake or not, and for those of you who have and are maybe like in my position, have made decisions wrong in your life, and you know, we can look through Scripture how tons of people have made mistakes. David, you know, um, John, or not John, um, yeah. 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 Are you talking about sin or uh, I, I chose the wrong career? Well, just making wrong decisions, period. Whether it's sin or to go down the wrong, the wrong path. There's always, there's always in Christ Jesus restoration. Yeah, I think the parable of the talents teaches us, you know, don't, don't be afraid of making the wrong decision. Be afraid of not 
using your talents or not moving forward. You know, it's don't, don't, I'll paraphrase, or I'll, I'll shorten it, I'll read or digest it as, you know, this is the one, one servant was given one talent, five and ten talents, and, and the one talent didn't want to make a mistake, so they buried it. And then when they took it to the master at the end, the, the ones that, that did stuff with their talents were rewarded, and the one that was that buried it in the sand was rebuked for not taking action, for not, you know, being a, being a, so petrified of making a mistake that they didn't do anything. Yeah. So yeah, it really it really was such a good a good question. Yeah. And yeah. Thanks, Nicole. Very impressive. From, yeah. from takes takes a lot of courage to to put yourself out there. So yeah, thank yeah. you very much. Oh. Yeah, really good. Well, we enjoy answering uh, these two questions today, and uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll do this again and answer some more. There are, there are more questions that have come in, so uh, we're excited to do that and, and take those on as best we can. If there is something urgent, a question that you really needed answered, feel free to, uh, to get hold of one of the elders, to email us, to call us. Uh, we'd love to have a personal conversation with you as well. But certainly uh, your questions are wonderful, uh, an opportunity for us to edify each other and, and the rest of the body of Christ as well. So thank you for your vulnerability and those questions. Uh, we look forward to seeing you and doing this again real soon. God bless you guys. We love you. Take care. Thank you. Bye.